All right. Well, we're going to get started now. I want to thank everybody for joining uh, the Business Telephone Town Hall. Uh, we are excited to be here with a, another panel uh, that will bring us through kind of where we are uh, in business relief and how to get yourself and your business prepared uh, as we continue with the response and get ready for the recovery. Uh, so I'm John Felcicchio. I'm the Acting Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development. Uh, today, we've, uh, we wanted to come together to bring you some updates, elevate the voice of experts that uh, can help engage uh, and share relevant information about applicable information as we all experience the impact of COVID-19 in the district. But most importantly, we want to hear from you, uh, the district's best voices, uh, you the residents and the business owners uh, that call DC home. So as Mayor Bowser announced on Monday, uh, she called together a group of leaders to take part in an advisory group called Reopen DC. Reopen DC is about working together as a community to reopen our city in a way that is safe and sustainable. We are all eager to open our schools, open our businesses, and be able to get back together with family and friends. Uh, but we need to do it safely, and we need to have a plan ready to go uh, that is based in science and tailored to the needs of our community. Uh, the Reopen Advisory Committee uh, is putting that plan together. And the exercise is focused on hope. Uh, and hope uh, for us means that we open up in a way that is healthy, provides opportunity, elevates prosperity, and also addresses equity. Uh, so as Mayor Bowser has said, uh, this is about not just about reopening D.C., but it's about making and building a better D.C. Uh, and so as you see on the screen now, uh, we have uh, an advisory group uh, which is led by two chairs, uh, Ambassador Susan Rice and Secretary Michael Chertoff. All of the information about the chairs, uh, the steering committee, as well as the committees uh, that will help us uh, industry by industry, sector by sector, uh, provide guidance for how to reopen. All of that is listed on our website, coronavirus.dc.gov, and there's a new page for Reopen DC. So we ask that you all go to that page and check out uh, the latest about the Reopen Advisory Group. Also posted earlier today uh, was a survey. It's for residents, employees, and uh, employers to fill out and give us the information about how the coronavirus has impacted their lives, their livelihood, uh, and their lifestyle. And so we want this to be a quick process uh, because uh, we want to be ready uh, when the uh, CDC guidance and the DC Health uh, uh, guidance gives us the green light to begin the phased opening, we want to be ready to go. Uh, so we're going to be uh, gathering information from uh, the advisory group as well as uh, getting community feedback in order to be ready uh, to reopen DC. So I want to get to today's topic uh, and I want to uh, uh, ask that our first speaker uh, take it over from here uh, and we look forward to hearing more from him. Uh, his name is Dr. Drew, uh, excuse me, Andre Perry. Uh, he's a fellow in the Metropolitan Policy Group at Brookings Institution, uh, a scholar in residence at American University, and a columnist for the Heckinger Report. Uh, Dr. Perry is an author of a forthcoming book, Know Your Price, Valuing Black Lives and Property in Americans, America's Black Cities. A nationally renowned and respected award-winning journalist and activist on race, structural inequality, and education, he's a regular contributor to MSNBC and has published in The New York Times, The Nation, The Washington Post, TheRoot.com, and CNN.com. He's also made appearances on CNN, PBS, National Public Radio, NBC, and ABC. Uh, since the COVID pandemic began, he has documented the underlying causes for outsized uh, number of coronavirus-related deaths in black communities and black businesses. Dr. Perry, welcome to our town hall. Thank you, John. Um, I want to thank everyone here for hosting this event. I also want to first um, share my condolences to all those who have lost their lives due to the coronavirus. COVID-19 is an equal opportunity employer, and we are truly in this together as a community. The coronavirus does not discriminate. However, past policies have. People of color, particularly from black majority communities, have accounted for a significantly higher number of COVID-19 related deaths. COVID-19 exposed the vulnerabilities that housing devaluation, economic injustice, and discrimination in healthcare have created. 
Those risk factors are literally dividing our city geographically, economically, educationally, and racially. If, as you look on the slide, the median household income of the westernmost area of the city, Ward 3, is $120,000, while people in the easternmost area, Ward 7, earn about $40,000. Socially, we see this being played out in our educational system. Private schools, as indicated by the red stars, are concentrated in the wealthier sections of Northwest DC. Charter schools are concentrated in the poorer areas of the city. The racial divides can also be seen in this, on the same maps. The black share of the population in Ward 3 is 5%. Ward 7 is 92% black. The vulnerability of, to COVID also manifests itself in housing prices. There are 56 black majority cities and towns in the uh, DMV which exceeded the national median income metrics. Nevertheless, wealth building is not easy. Homes in black neighborhoods in the DMV are devalued by 15% or about $48,000 on average, meaning if a home in a black neighborhood was placed in a white one, it would increase in value by almost $50,000. This is important because equity is the primary source of revenue to start businesses. Wealth provides the buffer that should help business owners weather storms like the coronavirus. Consequently, black businesses across the country were already reeling. Black entrepreneurs are denied bank loans more than twice as often than their white peers, 53% to 25%. Those loans are half as generous on average, 149,000 compared to 310,000 and people of color pay higher interest rates than their white peers, 7.8% to 6.4%. In addition, black firms' vulnerability is evidenced by those who were able to weather the 2008 recession. Approximately 49% of black businesses survived, compared to 60% of white-owned firms, compared, according to census data. To be clear, to be clear, businesses in black neighborhoods are of high quality. According to research by the Brookings Institution and Gallup, businesses owned by people of color in black majority neighborhoods are rated higher on Yelp than in white majority areas, but receive less revenue. This is largely because consumers bypass quality in those places due to negative perceptions of black residents who live there. Last year, these racial attitudes cost black majority neighborhoods $4 billion in, dollars in revenue. Many who grew up in historic black neighborhoods heard elders use the phrase, are ISIS just as cold? This adage holds up empirically. The federal government is seemingly ignoring the realities of business owners of color. In, a, in order to facilitate a response effort for COVID-19, the U.S. Department of Labor suspended all affirmative action obligations of supply and service and con construction contracts. Meanwhile, the staggered insufficient federal rollout of multiple legislative relief spending packages, including the payroll protection program, left out too many firms owned by people of color to say it focused on racial equity. If there's, any, if there's to be any truth to the idea, that we are all in this together, then cities must step up now to accelerate efforts to address racial equity. In particular, city leaders who see inequities up close have resources that can be deployed to address acute emergent needs while addressing longstanding disparities. So what can cities do? Here are some practical steps. Cities should create impact investment funds to support new businesses. Cities can develop what Dag Detter and Stefan Folster called urban wealth funds, which operate as publicly owned private equity funds based on existing investments by the city, enhancing this idea to include an explicit commitment to businesses owned by people of color is a step uh, toward closing the gap of access to capital and will see a return on investment for a city as well. Tax incentives on on-ramps to quality jobs. The magnitude of the COVID-19 
um, crisis will permanently shutter a significant number of businesses, triggering demand for training programs that will serve as on-ramps back into the workforce. Entrepreneurs who have been out of the traditional job market will need jobs to get the, back on their feet. With a recession looming, cities and states must leverage or create incentives, such as a worker training track tax credit modeled off the R&D tax credit to compel companies to train and place workers of color. Contracting with black and brown owned businesses. Now is the time for city governments to adopt procurement processes to facilitate inclusion. Cities can pledge new minimums for its federally provisioned grants to contract with certified minority owned businesses throughout the area. Building a pipeline of diverse fund managers. Municipal governments control large sums of capital in the form of pensions and for public employee groups like the police and fire departments. Developed and undeveloped real estate, public utilities, air rights, and other captive city-related funds and public assets. But globally, women and, and people of color manage less than 2% of that capital. Conclusion. The corona epidemic pandemic is elevating everyone's understanding of how profoundly interconnected we are as a society. When our neighbors are sick, we are at risk. And yet the inequities of those most impacted show that we are not in fact in this together. And cities must leverage the policies under their respective control to provide much overdue lifelines to the most entrepreneurial segment of the U.S. population, black and brown Americans. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Perry, for that uh, insightful presentation. And when you scan uh, the U.S. and you look at sort of how uh, cities have thought about and states have thought about response, have you seen a, a best practice approach that you would highlight uh, to uh, address one of these uh, or multiple of, of these uh, different measures that you talked about? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like what they're doing in New Orleans around um, minority-owned businesses and, and um, elevating the number of, of, of um, black and brown business they contract with. New Orleans is a great practice. There are several cities that are developing their um, social impact funds. Um, and so what I, you know, what I would like to do is um, provide those. I'll start tweeting those um, 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 examples out to, to folks. I have a, an article that should be out on the, in the Boston Globe in the next couple of days that outlines specifically those examples. So um, I will list all of uh, an example um, of a best practice in all in different cities um, on social media, and, 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 and folks can catch it in the upcoming article. Great. And uh, here in D.C., uh, Councilmember Kenya McDuffie has uh, laid out an initiative uh, in order to uh, uh, make sure that uh, DC government uh, looks to try to increase its CBE uh, spending, so our certified business enterprise yep. uh, spending uh, at this time, uh, and also looked for us to, or gave us the authority to make advance payments to CBE contractors. Uh, so it's two things that I know uh, the director Whitfield is looking into, uh, and I hope as you uh, look around the country for best practices that you look to DC too as someone leading the way. Or yeah, I've uh, actually the councilman actually invited me to serve on a, a, a committee, and I gladly accept it. So I'll be working with DC government on this very issue. Great. And um, as, uh, as before, I turn it over to Director uh, Emerson. Uh, there are some folks listening uh, on the phone, so you're going to have to share your uh, Twitter handle. Yeah, uh, my Twitter is Andre Perry EDU. So Andre Perry EDU. Great. And why don't we bring in uh, Director Emerson, who's been working uh, for uh, weeks, months, and years on uh, these very issues that you highlighted. Uh, so you want to talk a little bit about the Mayor's Office of African American Affairs, uh, what it does, and how it's uh, helped uh, African American community. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Um, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Ashley Emerson, Executive Director of the Mayor's Office on African American Affairs in Washington, D.C., and delighted to join everyone today. Um, I definitely want to thank Mayor Bowser and Deputy Mayor Falchikio in the dirt for making sure that equity is at the top of the conversation. So thank you so much for being here, Dr. Perry. 
Um, so there's no better time than now to discuss equity. And as Deputy Mayor Fauci Gio said, the Mayor's Office on African American Affairs was created for that very reason. And so just to give you a little bit of background, we, um, the Mayor's Office on African American Affairs, also known as MOA, was established in 2008. Um, and basically, we were created to make sure that every Washingtonian has a fair shot. And so we've seen disparities in the African-American community around health and education and economics. And so uh, alongside our office, we work with our commission on African-American affairs and our agencies to develop programs and policies to make sure that the needs of African-American communities are addressed. And so during this, during this pandemic, um, it's definitely important for us to stay connected to the various models and the data that we see across the, the country. And so when Dr. Perry mentioned cities like New Orleans or Chicago, uh, and of course DC, we wanna make sure that we are addressing the needs of the disparities. And so we've been on several calls and emails with um, the White House Public Liaison's Office, the Congressional Black Caucus, Essence, um, the Council on Foreign Relations, the National Black Chamber of Commerce, as well as the Fuse Corps, to name a few. Um, we've also, we have a part of our office, we give community grants. And so our grantees are still delivering services, which we're really proud to say. And so, um, such as our grantees, such as Bite Back, uh, is continuing to give technical trainings. Life Assets is continuing to host free business webinars, um, as well as DC Central Kitchen, which is uh, preparing and serving free meals to residents. And we, in October 2019, we partnered with the Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking, an industrial bank first black owned bank here in the district um, in DC Public Library to make sure that every Washingtonian is financially fit. And so the, we launched the, a workshop series as well as a online module for residents to sign on and learn about you know, their taxes and budgeting and investing and saving so that we're pre preparing for these types of emergencies. Um, we also wanted to make sure that, again, we were staying clued in lock and step with our commission. And so we're looking at data across the country, across, across the globe, uh, to see what best practices need to be put in place. And we share those with our directors um, at various agencies and deputy mayors uh, to make sure that we have an equitable response to the recovery. And so we, we invite you to stay connected to our office. This is your office of African-American affairs. We wanna make sure that if you have any challenges, any issues, you can always email us at moaaa.dc.gov. Oh, sorry, that's our website, moaaa.dc.gov. Um, also, we're on Twitter and Instagram at moaaa underscore dc. And then you could call us at 202-442-8150, but we're always available via email as well. So we just want to make sure you're staying connected, you have all of the information you need, you have the, the plethora of resources that are available in the district, and that we're here to serve you. Thank you. Thank you, Director. And the resources that you mentioned, the uh, workshops, the Financially Fit uh, DC workshops, how can people access those now? Yes, so you go to www.financiallyfitdc.com and you create a profile. There are several modules. You can be on there for hours. Um, there's also a DCPL, the, the DC Public Library, who has a plethora of resources and modules. You get access to free business journals that cost hundreds of dollars per month um, for free. And you could, they, they have these, I guess, modules for investing and how to grow your business and how to manage your business. So these are all things that the city offers for free that we all can access. Great. 
Thank you, uh, Director. And I want to go to, uh, next to Director Unique Morris-Hughes, uh, and uh, she runs the Department of uh, Employment Services, and at this point we know that there's a lot of attention uh, on uh, unemployment uh, insurance and how folks can benefit it benefit from that, uh, or utilize that benefit, I should say. So, uh, Dr. Uh, Unique Morris-Hughes, your uh, line should be open. Can you hear us? I can. I can. Thank you, um, John, and thank you, Dr. Perry and Director Emerson. Um, it's such a fascinating conversation, and I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. Um, I'd just like to talk a little bit about um, what we have available at the Department of, of Employment Services. Um, and how we're uh, helping to get through COVID-19 and, um, uh, and beyond. Um, and so, first of all, um, there are three key updates or features to um, the unemployment insurance program um, at the Department of Employment Services, which is a federally backed and run um, program. Um, through the Federal CARES Act, um, there were three significant actions. One, individuals who are not um, uh, normally able to apply for unemployment insurance can now apply through the pandemic um, unemployment assistance, uh, assistance program, um, which we call PUA for short. And so this is if you're a 1099 or if you're self-employed or a gig worker, and there's now an opportunity to receive um, an economic benefit um, uh, through our UI program, that's one. Um, the second one is our pandemic unemployment compensation program, which um, adds on or enhances the unemployment insurance uh, benefit. So our maximum weekly benefit um, is $444. Um, here in the District of Columbia, we issue um, benefits weekly, which is very different um, than some states. And with the CARES Act, we're now able to add on an additional $600. So you could qualify for up to $1,044 per week. Um, the third and final um, uh, enhancement to the unemployment insurance program um, is our PEUC, which is an extended benefit program. So traditionally, you can apply for unemployment insurance for 26 weeks. Um, but with this, part, this program, you now can uh, have up to 39 weeks of unemployment insurance. So that means if there were folks that were unemployed prior to COVID-19, um, you could receive, uh, uh, your, could receive unemployment insurance benefits for up to 39 weeks. So we think that th these three particular features um, of the CARES Act is going to help and aid in recovery. Um, additionally, for small businesses, we have the short-term compensation or what we also call the shared work program. And what the shared work program allows employers to do is if, um, if there's a need to reduce hours, um, an employer could contact the Department of Employment Services, submit an application, um, and the hours that are reduced, we will pay the employee through unemployment insurance benefits. Um, this is another key component through the CARES Act, um, and it's also federally reimbursed. So um, there are a lot of different ways that we are trying to help aid um, in this recovery uh, effort. And if there are folks that want to learn more about what we are doing at Department of Employment Services, I encourage everyone to go to does.dc.gov. Um, again, that's does.dc.gov. Um, and there's a plethora of information on our website. Thank you, Deputy Mayor Falchicchio. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And again, coronavirus.dc.gov, go to the resources page, and there's a resources for businesses and nonprofits and individuals as well. Uh, so want to talk a little bit more about some of the resources that we have uh, for businesses. So uh, next up, we'll have our director of the Department of Small and Local Businesses, uh, Business Development, excuse me, uh, Director Christy Whitfield. Thank you, Deputy Mayor. Um, the Department of Small and Local Businesses is here to help our small businesses at whatever stage of business development they're in. And we know 
we know that this is a really tough time for our small businesses. You know, at DSLBD, you know, we are here to help our small businesses weather this storm. Um, we have spent a lot of time in these more recent times helping them apply for the federal resources that are available at the SBA. And if you are, go to sba.disasterrelief.gov, <coughs> excuse me, the, you know, the EDIL and the PPP, you know, and, and some of the, you know, the resources that have been out there that have been in the news, you know, that people are applying for the, are, 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 are things that have been there that people can go to. We want to continue to encourage people to apply for those things. But I want to, I want to actually speak for a moment to, about some of the things that Dr. Perry talks about, because we know at DSLBD that people have access to capital issues, and these are things that DSLBD understands. I, I was a business owner and a person of color, and we know that access to capital can be tough, and this mayor knows this too. And when she talks about a relentless pursuit of a fair shot, we want to make sure that we are helping, you know, try and even, even the playing field a little bit. You know, last year DSLBD worked with our local CDFIs to help get over $1.8 million in loans into the pockets of small businesses. And the majority of those loans went to people in wards five and six and seven and eight. And some of those loans were very, very small loans. Who Life Assets Director Emerson talks about life assets. They make loans as small as $300. Because we know that sometimes when you have a dream, you just need a yes from government. And, you know, and, and sometimes that first yes is all you need to get started. So access to capital is something that we know in the recovery is going to be essential and that we're really thinking and focusing on. Um, we also know that you need to know that there are voices that can help you. 727-3900, hit option seven and call us. And you know we cannot solve all of your problems, and so I want to say this: like we can't solve all the problems, but we do have resources, and we have people that can help you with some of these different applications, and connect you to other resources that can maybe help you with uh, even going on to different websites, finding the SBA lenders that can help you with the, the payroll protection, help you get a, another another voice that can help you. You know we know these are tough times, but when the mayor instilled hope into the recovery plans, is because. We know that entrepreneurs do things because they know how to solve problems, but we also know that people need help. And we want you to know if you're on the phone or if you're watching, you are not alone. And it is okay to call and ask for help. And even though we might not have all the answers, that when we say we're in it together, we have to figure it out together. I've had businesses call and say, I've been in business X number of years and I've never had to ask for help. And I think that in my short time, Deputy Mayor, I just want people to know that now is the time to let your guard down and call and ask for help because we need to figure these things out together. And the, the next phase of the recovery and the next phase of the help has to be different. The types of funding that we put together has to be different. And we know that, and we need to hear from you about what it is you really need so that we can help design that together. Well, I appreciate that. And the reason we host these teletown halls is to make sure that people know that we're here and that we're working on their issues and we want to stay connected. Uh, so with that, I want to just remind everyone, if you have a question uh, for any of the panelists that you heard from, press zero now, and that's the way to raise your hand. Uh, so press zero now, and that's the way you can raise your hand and ask a question or make a comment uh, for any of the panelists here. Uh, before we go to the phone lines, I want to go to uh, Dr. Perry. Uh, for us in DC, I think one of the biggest things we're looking for the Congress to do uh, is to fix the injustice where they made us a territory instead of a state. Uh, it means about $750 million uh, for the district uh, in direct aid. Uh, but when you look up at the Hill, what do you think of as the next best step they can take to help our small businesses? Well, and w one of the things is that they can fund the agencies that are proximate to the problem. So MBDA, in terms of the, the CARES Act, did not only receive about $10 million. I didn't check this last iteration. Um, but in the last round, um, those businesses, the Minority Business um, Development Agency, um, only received 10, $10 million out of a three, uh, $2 billion project. That's inexcusable. And so if we really want resources to get to those, 
those um, financial agencies that serve black and brown people, we need to fund the federal agencies that work with them. And that's not happening. So I would strongly encourage um, uh, members of Congress to beef up the provisions moving forward um, to those agencies that work with the CDFIs, the, the um, black banks. Um, also, we have to certify more SBA certified lenders. And so that means um, your CDFIs that are out there, the overwhelming majority are not SBA um, certified. So um, we've got to get those um, agencies um, certified. You know, there, there are some other things I think we can um, do in terms of what Congress um, should be focused on. Um, clearly, the unemployment insurance is, is wanting. Um, it, it, this is sad to say, but this, this last relief package, will, we know is not going to be enough. We also know that states should, <laughs> will, are, are, we're left out of that, and D.C. should be a state. And so we're bootstrapping as much as we can. At some point, folks need to stand up. I, you know, I, I, I say this um, not loosely. We're in a situation as in the Great Depression, as in the housing crisis, and every opportunity um, and every disaster, there's an opportunity for people to rise up. D.C. residents will not get what they want unless there is a demand. And that demand must address the structural inequalities at the federal level. And so it's going to take working with your um, city council folk, working with the mayor, working with organizations. This is really an, a time for us to work together. You know, we, I'm, and, and, and not to opine too much, but you see a lot of blaming going around. We are not in the position where we can point fingers to recovery. We have got to rally ourselves and make a demand to address the structural issues or the next inevitable disaster will be right back in the same position. Um, after, you know, in the last 30 years, you had 9-11, um, you had um, 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 tech bubble, housing bubble, Hurricane Katrina, Rita, a number of issues that shut down the economy, black and brown people suffered more in each of those instances. And each time people said, well, what about these programs for black and brown businesses? What about housing? What about these issues? And because we're so focused on the crisis, we ignore the structural fix. We have to stay focused on the structural fixes. Or again, we will be right back where we are. And the only way we're gonna get there is together. So um, that's, I mean, I can get very wonky about some things, but at the heart of it, we're gonna have to come together and make a demand like we have not in, in since. Yeah. Thank you for that. Let's go to the phone lines. We're gonna go to uh, Jeanette in Ward 5. Uh, she has a question about uh, unemployment. Uh, your line should be open now. Can you hear us? Jeanette? All right, I think we might not have her. Um, let's try to go to the next uh, caller, which is uh, Lisa uh, from the Smith Center. Uh, Lisa, your line should be open. I think you had a question about uh, PUA. Uh, Lisa, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear. Thank you so much. Thank you for this. And this panel is really um, very informative. Um, I, I had a question. Um, our organization, based in D.C., we're down on the U Street corridor. Have been there for some 25 years, so we have a long-standing relationship in the D.C. community. We applied for some of the PPP grants and the ID, EIDL, and what we're hearing. So, um, and you look at the SBA website, D.C. has gotten a very low number of acceptances um, from these programs. And so I don't know if this is connected to um, us not being a state, and so all these things are playing out. But I just wondered if anyone, you know, on the panel had any sense of why D.C. is being so underrepresented and if there's anything we can do about it, because I'm sure many of us have all applied for these dollars and, and really do need them. 
So, Lisa, Lisa, I don't know if you're also watching the stream, but the panelists are fighting for who's going to jump in. Uh, let's no. No, let's go, go, go uh, Director Whitfield, and then we'll go to we'll go down the line to uh, Dr. Perry as well. Well, I looking at my boss. I will say that I think that we know that the smaller businesses struggle sometimes to have longer lasting relationships with lenders. And then I will say that, that when you are a person of color, I think you struggle again to have relationships with your lenders, right? And, and you know, our guests had given, I don't you know your statistics, right? But if we know that black and brown people are underbanked, right? It's gonna it's going to play out, right? And so when people were asking me a couple weeks ago and saying, "Hey, director, what are you going to do to make sure that on the next round of the PPP that people of color are getting more of these loans?" I mean, candidly, I said, "Well, I don't know. Undo years and years of institutionalized racism. I, I don't have a quick answer for this. We, you know, we do have to make sure that our, you know, our institutions are serving people equally. And currently, we know that they are not. And that is not a, a quick fix because we have to get that access to capital, you know, changed. And I think that when those relationships are different, and when businesses have that access, and when bigger businesses can call faster. When you're a bigger business, and when it's, as it costs you the same to make a $400,000 loan than it does to make a $40,000 loan, if you're a bank, you're going to make the bigger loan. It's like there are, there are economies of scale. So we have to be very conscious of the way that banking works and the way that, that certain things are working. And so I think there's inherent, inherent proclivities in the way this market was going to work. And then I'll, I'll stop, because I could go on and on. Well, this is Andre Perry. Uh, um, I have a, I, I'm in my new book, Know Your Price, I look at devaluation at a city level, and I look at different assets. I mentioned that housing is devalued in black neighborhoods. Businesses are devalued in black neighborhoods. When you are a city with a high percentage of black people, your city becomes devalued. That we, we, we don't understand um, how interconnected we are economically, but the COVID uh, um, um, epidemic showed us medically that if your neighbors are sick, you are vulnerable. The same is true in the economy, that when black folks in Southeast are hurt, our abilities collectively to get the kind of resources we need um, is reduced. And this is why we must fight for each other, because we are connected. And so I've been pushing for this for a long period of time, that, that it's in white, black, brown people's interest that we have hospitals in Southeast, we have banks in Southeast, we have CDFIs distributing resources to people who need it. Because when, when we have to determine who gets what, when, and how during these epidemics, they go, well, we don't have to worry about, about DC. We don't have to worry about New Orleans. We don't have to worry about Detroit. And if you look at who's getting what, there's a, there's a connection to the concentration of people who are devalued, i.e. black and brown people, and who gets those resources. So it's in our best interest to fight for each other in this period of time. And it, it's just that much harder because we're not a state, because we are a democratic city within a, with a Republican in office it, it, who makes it clear that I will work with my friends and, and I will not work with those who are quote unquote against me. You know, I, you know and, and it's hard to say that because I'm a policy person, I believe in data, but there is a qualitative, substantive 
um, devaluation that is hurting this city and we're paying for it now. Ashley. And I, that this is the perfect segue because I was gonna mention since it's 2020 and why it's imperative, imperative that we all get behind since it's 2020. Um, not it just one color, not just, um, you know, all businesses, all entities, organizations, residents, everyone needs to get behind and make sure that you're completing your census uh, and encouraging your neighbors and your colleagues to complete the census because we're, you know, if we're not counted, we don't exist. And to Dr. Perry's point and Director Whitfield's point um, and the Deputy Mayor's point, we must be counted. We must have a, a seat at the table um, federally. And so that's one perfect way to do so. Great. And actually on that point, uh, I'm gonna put everybody on the spot. Uh, so have you filled out your census, Ashley? Of course. All right. So yeah. Andre? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, Unique, have. have you filled out the census? Yes. Okay, and I have too. So we we're batting a thousand uh, on the panel today, but we need to, I know, uh, as of last week, we were about 46% completion we're, rate. We're at 50 uh, now. We're at 50 now? Mm -hmm. We should be mm -hmm. at 51 at least, right? <laughs> uh, so let's make sure that uh, folks fill out uh, the census. There's information uh, about the census and how you fill that out. If you go to coronavirus.dc.gov and you go to the at home uh, page, it'll connect you right to the census. Uh, we did have some questions that were uh, texted or emailed in, uh, so we want to go to one of those and just uh, this one is a simple one, which is a question about where the PowerPoint uh, will be posted, and we'll do that th there uh, on coronavirus.dc.gov under the for business section. Uh, that's where we'll post uh, the PowerPoint deck from today. Uh, and so we want to thank our presenters for helping us put that together. Uh, we had another question. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Kim uh, in Ward 4. Uh, Kim in Ward 4 had a question actually about uh, PUA. Uh, I thought Lisa did too, but uh, she had one on PPP. So, uh, Kim, your line should be open. Yes. Hi, thank you. Um, I filed for unemployment in March. I have a full-time job through a private employer. I am also a sole proprietor. I checked the sole proprietor box, but unfortunately, DOES processed it against my current employer. Now I am trying to apply for the, for the PUA. Um, program and it says that I must be denied by uninsurance, which is not the case. I was approved, uh, incorrectly approved. So how do I rectify this situation so I can now properly apply as a sole proprietor through PUA? And I have emailed PUA.dc.gov two weeks ago and I never received a response. Um, we'll go to Director uh, Mark. Deputy Mayor, can yeah. I take this? Sure. Okay, awesome. Um, so what I, I'd like to do, because I think you called last week and we were going over, hello, I'm going over your question. Um, I would like to find a way to connect with you directly um, after the town hall. Um, let's see, I think probably the, the best way is for you to email me unless, John, I don't know how the phone systems work there, if someone can paw or if she can uh, go into the queue and someone grab sure. what we um, could her do first is, last name and phone number? Sure. What we could do is we could have Kim just press zero again. Kim, if you press zero, that'll put you in the queue and we'll make sure we get all of your contact information. Yes. And I will work with you directly. <coughs> and actually, can you answer that question though about PUA? So how does that work? Uh, sure. What is the process at this point? Yep. Yeah, so the federal guidance said that PUA is offered to those who are not traditionally eligible for unemployment insurance. So if you are a, um, an independent contractor that receives a 1099, under normal circumstances, you would not be eligible to receive unemployment insurance. So the federal guidance requires us to basically um, assess whether you, you would be eligible for unemployment insurance, make a determination that you are not eligible, and then you can um, move forward with the PUA application um, and then be deemed eligible. For those who are eligible for PUA, the good news is that you're also eligible for the additional $600 payment. 
Um, so you would be eligible for that, but the federal law does require us to make an assessment on whether or not you're eligible for unemployment insurance first. Thank you. Uh, let's go to the next caller, uh, Dave in Ward 2. Uh, Dave, your uh, question might be about microgrants. Yes, thank you for uh, taking the questions. It's much appreciated. I'm actually asking for a friend of mine who's in Ward 3 who has a small business, and he was one of the first to apply for the D.C. microgrants. And the crickets has been astonishing. No word, nothing. And I, I also have access, because I'm in the media, to listening to the mayor's briefing. And there's been no update. There was a promise of April, and today's April 28th. My friend's dying. What is the status update of the microgrants? And please don't tell us what I want to hear. Tell us what is going on with the DC microgrant process, please. Sure, absolutely. It's a good question. So, in the uh, microgrant program, it was a program that was stood up uh, in March. Uh, the council authorized the program. Uh, the mayor identified $25 million uh, for the microgrant program. Uh, and then we had an uh, application process, which closed out uh, on April 1st. Uh, and in that process, uh, 7,632 applications uh, came in uh, for microgrants. And so uh, this month, we've been sorting through uh, those applications. Uh, just uh, so you know, that's uh, a larger number than I would say any of our Great Street grants, any of our robust retail grants, it's really kind of an unprecedented response in these unprecedented times. So totally understandable that you would have that sort of response. Uh, so as we sort through those, uh, we have uh, gone through that process and tomorrow uh, we are gonna give an update about uh, all of the ways that uh, will approach uh, the awards. And so tomorrow uh, the mayor has a press briefing at 11 a.m. Uh, and so we'll have a more fulsome update about uh, what happens from here uh, on the micro grants. Uh, so, but thank you for the question and definitely understand uh, how much people are waiting uh, to hear back. And so we wanna get that uh, information. And so we'll have more to say about that uh, at tomorrow's 11 a.m. Uh, press briefing. Uh, so the next question I wanna go to, I think is also related to grants uh, and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth uh, from, uh, has a design business. Uh, Elizabeth, your line should be open. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity and thank you so much for um, the, the panel. Uh, um, two things also uh, before, um, uh, do we have, are we have some access to a recording of this session for, um, uh, for reference as well? Because the audio is not that great and it's nice to, to repeat um, what uh, the panel has um, um, uh, talked about. Um, so my, my original question is, um, um, together with the microgas, uh, what has happened to me when I was doing the microgas, I can't get, I never availed of it when I really do need it. Uh, what has happened is always kicked me out. Uh, and then eventually I got an email saying if something else comes up, uh, they're going to let us know, but nothing else has instead. So as a small business owner, I am majorly dying. So I need to find out. Um, it's nice to know that I can apply for unemployment somehow, but that doesn't. Um, um, yeah, I, you know, I appreciate all the little help, but it's also the micro grant that's also kind of more important as well. So my question is, will you have another one, and how do you get into it? Because I get literally get kicked out so many times until my. In fact, as a matter of fact. Um, I kicked on the on the last day in itself. It wasn't even the um, the minute or the time wherein it lapsed that the but it kept it, the final kick out. Eventually, told me the program was closed when it wasn't even the deadline time. Okay. It was uh, and like I'm a sorry about those something technical. Of that yeah, definitely sorry about those technical. Deputy Mayor, can I? Yeah, I was going to say, I want to make sure that we get to the heart of your question about what else is available. So, Director Unique Morris-Hughes, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I'd love to. I was uh, chomping at the bit here to get in. Um, if, if you think you are, if you um, may scratch your head and question whether you are, you're not, um, or if you know you are, it doesn't matter. You should try to apply for unemployment. Um, insurance. You should have tried to leverage 
um, this PUA um, grant program. It is federally funded. We have the funding for it. Um, it doesn't hurt to just go ahead and submit an application. Um, I know folks are waiting to hear back about the microgrant program, but there is nothing stopping anyone from submitting an application now. Um, I recommend, think there's even a remote possibility that they're eligible to go ahead and submit um, an application. Thank you for that. And uh, Director Whitfield, tell us too about some of the supports that we have for folks as they're navigating uh, the different uh, opportunities, whether it's local or federal. I know you gave out your phone number, but then also uh, the technical assistance centers. Well, so if you are if you are looking for some federal help for the at the SBA for the EDIL or the other sort of resources at the SBA, um, you know, DSLBD can help you walk walk you through those those supports too. And the phone number is seven two seven three nine zero zero. Um, the uh, the caller had also asked about other supports, and mm -hmm. at the coronavirus.dc.gov, we have. Um, a lot of other grant sources that are non-governmental grant sources. So, you know, I know that Facebook has a thing, Verizon, there's a bunch of other grant sources that are out there um, that people can also can also apply for. So I think that, you know, I think there there are places to look for. Um, you know, I know in my newsletter that I just sent out, we had a list of a bunch of, of grants. I know the main streets, you know, the mayor has doubled the number of main streets during her tenure as mayor, and each of the main streets have small, um, have small grants uh, that are available. So if you are in a main street, reach out to your main street directly. You know, I think we have, you know, we know that, it, we, we know that the businesses are suffering, and the sad fact is that the need outpaces the resources right now. And we are, we are painfully aware of this. Absolutely. And so we're trying to find as many opportunities as we can and ways to pivot and ways to think about doing things differently. And every day we are struggling to find and close that gap. Sure. Ask a question. One of the things that, that's hurting all cities is just volume. volume. Cities yeah. just can't handle the volume. Are there opportunities for business owners to actually help city government, hmm. you know, can, um, in terms of procurement, are there businesses out there that you can contract with during this time to help with the volume, volume issue specifically? Yeah, so we actually, uh, for the DEMPED microgrants, uh, we do have uh, a CBE firm that's helping us with the review mm. of the applications as one example of how we're getting DC small businesses involved in the relief effort for DC small businesses. Yeah. Uh, so we'll look for more of those opportunities. Uh, we also have um, run through an uh, organization called CNHED. CNHED has uh, what they call the Anchor Program. And the Anchor Program uh, takes uh, qualified CBs, certified CBs, uh, and lists them and posts them sort of as a marketplace uh, for uh, businesses, big businesses around the, uh, and institutions around the city so that CBs aren't just uh, marketing themselves to district government, but also to big institutions around the city so that they use uh, CBE certified uh, businesses. So those are some ways that we're uh, helping. Uh, Director, I don't know if there's anything else to point to as a way that we're pushing forward our small businesses. Well, um, this isn't that directly, Deputy Mayor, but I would like to just remind people that are listening, businesses and residents, that calling your banks and just asking for relief, saying, hey, I need a little help. I would like to have a little debt relief. I need some help not pay my mortgage for a couple of months. You know, a lot of the banks have been open to that. Call your credit card companies. Call the people that you owe money to yeah. and say, during this time of COVID-19 pandemic, I am not able to make these payments, that there are a lot of opportunities of just saying, I don't have it. And it's just the fact, I don't have it. And the banks have been a very amenable to giving some debt relief and helping just ease the pain. We know that the bills are out there. And mm -hmm. so again, to that, not wanting to ask for help, people think, oh, I just have to, I have this pain. You know, we know that the banks are aware and sometimes you can just say, hey, put it on the end and, and not without doubling up, without the other things, but you have to just call and ask. And also, you know, DSLBD is going to be having webinars on 
renegotiating your lease and having these conversations with your lenders because we know that we have to be having these conversations and we don't always know how. Yeah. But right now, call up and say the truth. I don't have it. I can't pay. Start the conversation there. Well, and we did have a question from uh, the owner of the Roy Salon in Ward 3 who asked, you know, I've exhausted everything and, you know, how do I start to get some relief? And maybe some of those seminars would help. So do you want to talk about where those will be posted? Uh, so we will post those everywhere as, and we are developing them as we go, right? And as I listen to Dr. Perry, I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, I need you to come and talk with us on another <laughs> seminar because that was very interesting. But I think, you know, we will put them on coronavirus.com. We will put them on our website, dslbd.dc.gov. And we are partnering with, you know, with other agencies like uh, CNHED, like Think Local First, because again, we don't have all the answers and we are, we are pulling together as many other experts as we can. We are talking to people about, about bankruptcy, about restructuring, about how do you, how do you pivot. And, and how do you figure out what those next, stage, next stages are. We know that the ground is shifting underneath people's feet, and we don't know exactly what the next phase of the future looks like. And so we are developing those futures together, and as we are figuring it out, we want to talk about it. We want to hear from you, and we will be asking and saying, what else do you want from us, and how can we, how can we have those conversations? Great. And um, just to the question about whether the information will be posted, of course, uh, it'll be at uh, coronavirus.dc.gov. Uh, we are also on uh, social media uh, at the Mayor Bowser uh, handles on Facebook and Twitter. So if you want to look to those um, uh, resources or those sites, uh, that's where you can find this. And then also we'll post uh, this session as a podcast as well uh, for, from the district's economic recovery team. Uh, and so we have time for one more question, and then I want to give an opportunity to the panelists just to give kind of their final closing remarks. Uh, so why don't we open up the line for Gamal uh, in uh, Ward 5, who had a question about reopen DC. Can you hear us, Kamal? Yes. Uh, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for uh, the opportunity. Uh, first of all, I send my condolences to all uh, COVID-19 victims. Okay. The first comment about uh, Dr. Perry's vision or approach, I think this is it's, it's come to me as controversial. It's a long-term solution. We should have focus in a long in the short term uh, solution. I don't want to keep you guys about this because I have different uh, different methodology to how we can address COVID-19 in particular if it comes to the race, race issue. And this is very controversial. And this is, has to come through phases. And we have to do cultural change. We have to look for use in the district. Okay. Beyond that, go to that recent health what can we gain for, like, my business, okay, which is completely on the edge of the bankrupt, okay, uh, losing all kind of uh, source of income, uh, completely depleted, and I've been uh, uh, targeted by bankrupt, by all uh, lenders, utilities bills, and... Uh, I know I have applied to submit my application uh, the first thing in March and no response, no response in that. I uh, don't want to go further and thank you for the time. Well, you know, can I just say sure. one thing that you, we have to find both short-term and long-term solutions simultaneously. We have no choice. Um, but in the short-term, um, um, Ms. Woodfield is absolutely correct. You have to cut off your debt. The, it, it's sad because of a lack of coordination, particularly at the federal level, but there was no one saying, okay, cut off rent, cut off bills, cut off X and Y. And so they're coming, and, and business owners like to pay their bills, <laughs> and they're letting that revenue go. Um, but the reality is, we're all in this situation together. You should call your landlord. You should call your various um, debtors to say, hey, I need to put a pause on this. And 
Um, because if you don't stop the debt, it, it's just going to be hard for you. Because this is going to be um, a longer duration of, um, of slower academic, um, economic activity for a while. And so, um, yes, we, we're going to have to work on long-term and short-term solutions simultaneously. But I'm encouraging people, hey, to, to do as, as was suggested, make the call. Because if you don't, you can find yourself out of business permanently. And so save the resources that you have as much as possible. Definitely. Ashley, your kind of final thoughts on this? I'm just so um, grateful to be in the room with such expertise and, and under the leadership of you all um, in our city, we're really um, at a place where we can make some serious change. And I'm so excited that equity is at the top of the conversation. And so I wanted to make just a few recommendations um, about a resilient recovery. And I think it's, it's gonna be, um, I, I like to call it a trifecta, where it's, it's us as, as government, but it's also the residents and businesses and organizations all working together to come up with some uh, strategies and solutions. And so definitely applying for um, funding outside of government. There are a lot of foundations and organizations and corporations that have funding opportunity, uh, funding opportunities. I know grants.gov as well. Um, Shea Moisture has a million dollar grant right now open for sm minority owned small businesses. So just thinking outside of the box a bit on what funding looks like. Um, pivoting your business, making sure you look at additional funding streams, maybe just getting creative, maybe um, just what are some of the different options you, you can do or expertise you may have. And then just pooling together your advisors. And so that's policymakers, that's, that's other business owners, that's um, accountants and marketers to help you strategize on how to um, obtain new business and so we again we're all here for you as a city and um, th these are unprecedented times but we're in this together thanks for having me thank you Ashley unique are you still with us unique I am still, um, with you a, a few things for me um, I, it's going to be very important um, and in the work that we're doing at DOES, we are doing, we are looking at a lot of lessons learned um, from the last stimulus uh, act, and we are focused on how we can make sure that any of the mistakes that were made in the past with the previous stimulus act won't be made here. Um, we're very looking very closely at data and understanding um, how black and Latinx communities are staying on unemployment and then helping those uh, communities that were already unemployed or underemployed um, prior to uh, COVID-19. Um, I do want to encourage everyone to um, apply for unemployment insurance and take advantage of um, some of these additional benefits that have been extended through the CARES Act. Um, our normal processing time is anywhere between 14 and 21 days and if you don't have a complex circumstance, your claim could be processed that quickly. Um, but it's just important that you try to make an effort um, to take advantage of all of the different resources that's available um, to make sure that the, the gap um, is not widened and that we try to close the, um, the gap. Um, coronavirus.dc.gov. You can find all of the information regarding um, all of the unemployment insurance uh, programs that DOS has to offer. Thank you for this great conversation. Thank you. Christy? People love knowing and certainty. And, and we are standing on shifting sand, right? And so there are no more business norms. People can't shake hands. They can't do the things they used to do, and we don't know, and that is very hard. And when I ran my business, and I wasn't, you know, 100% certain about payroll, I kept it inside, and I was always figuring it out myself, and that was deeply isolating. And when we say we're all in this together, I mean, if there is anything 
that I really want people to know is that they are not alone in the stress of not knowing. We don't know. And when Dr. Perry says, like, hold on to your money, listen to that man, because we don't know, and we have to figure a lot of things out. But you are not alone in not knowing, and it is okay, and you have to be verbal and upfront about not knowing, and then we all have to just talk about it, and we will be okay. Well, I just want to thank all the panelists, uh, Ashley, Andre, Unique, and Christy. Thank you for uh, joining us today, and thank you for everyone who listened. We had hundreds and hundreds of folks call in today. We'll keep this uh, on the coronavirus.dc.gov website. Uh, and just as we close out, I just want to remind everybody, nobody became a business owner because they thought it was the easiest way uh, to make a living. They did it because they knew how to deliver a good or a service even better. And so as we get through this very trying time, the only way we're going to do it is by staying healthy uh, and take care of yourself. Uh, make sure that you leave no stone unturned uh, so that uh, every resource that's available to you, like Unique said, even if you think there's the slightest of possibility that you qualify for a program, make sure that you apply. And then, of course, keep hope. Uh, Mayor Bowser has said that uh, although this is an unprecedented, unprecedentedly t trying time, uh, that not only will we reopen DC, but we'll build a better DC together. So thank you all for joining today, uh, and we look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you all.